they have the CPI to show everyone and say, see, inflation is coming down. I mean, welcome back to the world of, of easy money, easy, cheap money. Greetings, land of Arcadia economics. My name is Dave Kranzler, and welcome to another episode of my bi-weekly podcast. And <clears throat> unfortunately, originally I was going to talk about why I thought there might still be a little bit of time left in the, the, the precious metals sector correction that has been going on for the last couple of weeks why that was going to set up the next the an explosive move higher but the fed kind of lifted its leg on my presentation with its fomc policy statement and the subsequent jay powell presser so i want to talk about that and explain why i think the fed has basically gone into a full-blown pivot and they basically also let the bulls, the precious metal bulls, out of the corral, and I think I think it could be game on. But first, I wanted to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Silver Viper, and I'm sure all of you are are familiar with Silver Viper, but it's advancing its La Virginia project in beautiful Sonora, Mexico, and you can. See, as part of the property right there. Doesn't that look nice? And Silver Viper is in the process of raising some more money so that they can fund their next drill, drill program and work on a, an updated resource estimate. So despite the fact that, I mean, it's a, it's a six, seven cents stock, if in fact, Game, it's game on with the precious metal sector. And if Silver Viper can hit another discovery with this drill program, then, I mean, it's a stock that could double, triple or quadruple in a very short period of time. And that's that's one of the beauties of investing in the junior mining stocks. They're high risk. They're constantly raising capital. But when they start to move higher, you can make a lot of money quickly. But first, before I talk a little bit more about the mining stocks, let's let's review what happened today with the FOMC policy statement and the post Powell presser. Uh, I mean, well, here, let me just show you this. Essentially, you can see here Powell's basically saying the policymakers are thinking we have done enough. That that tells us they're done hiking. They are done hiking rates. And I don't think they really care about, you know, what real inflation is doing. You know, they have the CPI to show everyone and say, see, inflation is coming down. But it's, it's. Um, I mean, welcome back to the world of, of easy money, easy, cheap money. And I don't think that that's necessarily going to help revive the economy, but they're in a position now where I, th I think they, they have to ease up on their monetary policy because the, the, the economy is, is going into a tailspin. I don't care what anyone says. I look at the data all the time and it, it's, it's getting worse by the week. And at some point, they're probably going to have to start printing money again. So 
I guess one of the presser questions was, you know, do you know when you're, are you thinking about cutting rates? And apparently that idiotic dot plot, which I don't pay a lot of attention to because I think it's brain damage, but apparently it has, it, it shows the potential for 140 basis points where the rate cuts next year. And Powell basically said, we haven't worked out what, if we will follow a threshold based path for cutting rates, I, you know, whatever the hell that means, it, it essentially tells you they're already ta thinking and talking about cutting rates, when to do it, and more importantly, how to present it so they don't completely trash the dollar. And again, just, just to kind of reinforce that sentiment, I mean, Powell says here, you need to reduce restriction on the economy well before their nefarious 2% inflation target hits 2%. Well, I got news for everyone. That inflation target is never going to hit 2% because the Fed has already started reliquifying the banking system, even though they still you know, are slowly and and in very small increments reducing its balance sheet there's there's other ways to inject liquidity into the financial system and probably the, the one that's most apparent although I, i'm not sure that people really realize this but it's it's hidden in plain sight is this reverse repo facility now to be sure this this doesn't this doesn't change the size of the balance sheet. The fact that it's 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 gone from 2.6 trillion at the end of 2022 down to 823 billion as of today. This is Wednesday, December 13th. But what it's done is essentially this reverse repo facility held a lot of the money that the Fed printed. In, into what I like to call a suspended animation account. It, 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 it basically removed that liquidity from the real economy, the financial system, or, or the ability for that money to leak out into the real economy. And, and it, it, you know, it, it was just sitting there. Now, I, I probably should have put some graphics up to explain why the shifting of this doesn't, doesn't change the size of the Fed's balance sheet. But what it does is it moves this liquidity off the balance sheet and into the financial system. And in, I would say into the real economy, but banks, banks don't have a lot of lending projects on their on deck right now because the economy sucks. So what happens is, is this liquidity ends up in the stock market. And, and that's why the Dow hit an all time high today. But what I think is really interesting about the FOMC policy statement and the comments by Powell in the in the post FOMC release media circus is that I, I don't see how the Fed backs away from from the statements and the policy tone that it's set today, because if it were to do that, it would just absolutely annihilate the stock market. And and the and the bond market and I mean the economy is already in a tailspin, but it, it would it would set off just a brutal depression. However, the good news is 
Well, let me back up for a second. Um, to begin with, I, I don't think that even if the Fed starts printing money, it's not going to save the economy. Every level of the economy is so leveraged up in debt that even if you print money and hand it and hand it to them, well, I, I take that back. If you want to hand printed money to to the populace and to the institutional entities that have too much debt, more debt that you know, and an existential amount of debt, then yeah, you're probably going to cause you know some economic, some real economic growth, but you're also going to cause massive hyperinflation. Uh, I, I think we're probably headed towards hyperinflation anyway, but um, that that's down the road. Now, all that said, if you're a if you're a precious metals bull like I am, today was really exciting because I think I think what happened today may have actually triggered what could be an epic bull move in the precious metal sector. And to give you an example. So, for instance, today, the Dow was up 1.4%, hit an all-time high. S&P and NASDAQ were up 1.38%. But GDX was up 6.4%. And that's a huge move. And the, on average and in general, the, the, silver, the, the producing silver miners were up 8 to 12%. Now, most of the juniors, some moved, some didn't, and that's okay. And that's actually what we want to see. We, do, we don't want to see speculative money all of a sudden pile into the juniors and, you know, well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to take it if all of a sudden my junior mining stock holdings triple and quadruple over the next few months. But if we want a healthy, long, sustainable bull move, we want to see the, the, senior, the senior mining stocks and then the mid-cap mining stocks move first. And let me just get to my next chart here, because like I said, I, I think we may have a big bull move. You see, that's 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 what Powell and the FOMC did to the press metal sector. I, I apologize. This says March gold futures. Actually, February is the gold COMEX gold futures front month. Um, March is the COMEX silver futures front month. So but it doesn't matter. I mean, um, if there is a March contract that trades, I'd have to check. I can't recall off the top of my head. It would have done the same thing as this. But this this is this is Feb Gold. But at any rate, gold and silver are going to do really well going forward. If if in fact what happened today really happened and and the you know a big bull run has started, uh, but the mining stocks I think are going to surprise people to the upside by by the scale and percentage gains that'll be achieved over the next several months. This, this chart shows GDX versus GLD. And I just use GLD as a proxy for the gold price. I don't recommend investing in GLD. But since 2020, up until, I don't know, this is, this is probably the late 2022, early 2023, you can see that, that, uh, Gold and GDX, the, the movement, the directional movement in gold and GDX were tied at the hip. But then all of a sudden, gold started outperforming the mining stocks. And this, this is a dislocation that, on the assumption that a big bull move has started, this will be corrected very quickly. Not all, <clears throat> not all at once and not necessarily over the next week. But over the next six months to, to year, you're going to see the mining stocks catch up to this line. 
and eventually go above it. And, and the gains, the potential gains that can be made are, oops, I think I forgot to share this. There we go. Um, let me back up. This shows the, you know, golden, golden GDX tied at the hip. And here's where gold, the miners diverge negatively from the gold price. And at some point, assuming that this, the, the, the big bull move we've all been looking for has started, this, this chart here is going to catch up to this chart. And the percentage gains that potentially will be made by investing in, in the mining stocks will be staggering. I think a lot of people will be surprised. I remember back in 2005, 2006, when I, I was I was really focused on trading futures, but I had a big junior mining stock portfolio. And I mean, the value of the portfolio quadrupled and quintupled over about a six month period. It, I mean, it was a lot of fun. And I think that's probably what we have in front of us. Now, the, the junior microcap project development stocks, those are the ones where you're going to have 10 to 20 bagger potential if you pick the right ones, which sometimes I, sometimes I do, sometimes I miss a few. But at any rate, that's a wrap for today. Before I, before I close out, I just wanted to let everyone know that the latest issue of my mining stock journal is going to be released this afternoon after the stock market closes. And I got a lot of questions over the last week from, from a lot of different subscribers who wanted to know my take on Franco Nevada. I'm sure a lot of you in the audience own Franco Nevada and are kind of horrified by the 22% bludgeoning the stock has had over the last few weeks. And that was because their largest royalty property the Cobre Panama copper mine down in Panama was politically closed for closed for political reasons, basically. Um, however, I had an interesting conversation with a mining stock CEO yesterday, and I discussed that conversation and and provide my thoughts on what I think is going to happen next with Franco Nevada, and that'll that'll be in this afternoon's issue. If you're interested, you can find out more about my mining stock journal at investmentresearchdynamics.com. And there's a link at the top where um, you can click on that and get more information. So um, with that, I'll close things out. And until next time, I hope everyone enjoys what they can, as much as they can, for as long as they can. So I think 2024 is going to be interesting, if not kind of brutal. <laughs> Until next time.